The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Thanks for joining us, folks. It's my pleasure to present the interview with John Oates of Hall & Oates. Everybody loves Hall & Oates. They are, after all, the most successful music duo in history, with more than 40 million records sold. And I'm pulling this interview out of the archives because the other day, April 7th, was John Oates' birthday. We did this interview over the telephone about the music he loves and his other project, the John Oates Band. This interview was done over the telephone with John Oates to talk about an album of his. The John Oates Band had arrived at the Sirius XM radio station studios in Washington, D.C. to record some live tracks, and it resulted in an album called The Bluesville Sessions. It's a great album. I recommend you checking it out. In the meantime, listen to this interview with the one and only John Oates. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest is Mr. John Oates. He is known to many for his role in Hall and & Oates and also his band, the John Oates Band. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to, great to talk to you, man. My first question, who is John Oates? Uh, that's, a, that's a tough one to answer. I don't know how much time you got, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a lot of things. You know, I'm, I'm obviously part of a famous duo with Daryl Hall, and most people know me for that. But at the same time, I have an entirely separate musical life on my solo career that I've been evolving and developing over the past 10 years. And it's really uh, has a lot to do with my early influences, the, the stuff that that I uh, played and sang and was inspired by to make me the musician I am uh, way before I met Daryl Hall. So it's a, it has to do with early rock and rock and uh, R&B, uh, folk blues, Delta blues, Appalachian bluegrass, things like that. And that's all the stuff that I was into uh, as a little kid. And I've been playing on that now and developing that into uh, a whole new uh, area for myself as a solo artist. It's quite a diversity of things that you like musically. What would you credit that to? Well, having great radio to listen to as a, a little kid growing up outside of Philadelphia, everything from amazing urban R&B to uh, folk music and, and alternative you know, rock and, and stuff that was being played in those days, uh, and a wide diversity of music that was happening in the Philadelphia area where I was growing up. The Philadelphia Folk Festival um, has celebrated its 50th anniversary this year, and uh, I was there when it began, believe it or not. I know I'm old, but that's how it is. And just it was it was being at the right place at the right time, being able to uh, to learn from the masters of, of all these various genres and, and be part of that world growing up. So it was really a pretty special and spectacular uh, opportunity for me to be there at the right place at the right time. You have this new album out. It's entitled The Bluesville Sessions. It's on the WBA label. What do you think of this album? I love it. I wouldn't have put it out if I didn't love it. <laughs> you know, what I wanted to do is uh, I've been working with this particular band for about a year, and we've done a lot, of, a lot of touring uh, in America. And, you know, it takes a long time to develop a band from scratch, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of gigs, and that's what it's all about. I felt like we had we hit a stride, and I think the band was playing particularly well. It was a, just an, a, a really great kind of... Uh, combination of, of being in the right here again the right place at the right time 
some folks from the Sirius XM radio in Washington, D.C. Uh, asked if we would do a live, a live broadcast, and we went into their studio and basically played our set live. What you hear on the Bluesville Session album is ex pretty much exactly what we do live uh, during our show. You know, with a few changes here and there, but uh, I just wanted to capture it. I was just so proud of this band and so happy about the way we were we we're gelling together as a unit that I wanted to capture it. And we we caught some magic and we caught some lightning in a bottle and we basically played the set straight through. You know, there's no overdubs, no fixes, no studio gimmickry. It's just a honest portrayal of what we sound like live. Could you pick a favorite song on the album? Oh, man, that's a tough one. They're all my favorites, but that's why I put them on there. <laughs> you know, I'm really proud of the, the original Mississippi Mile, which is the kickoff track, because among all these classic great songs by all these amazing songwriters, I felt like as a songwriter myself, I had to step up to the to the plate and, you know, and try to hit one out of the park, and, and that's what I, I tried to do. And I, I really like that original, but I like, I like a lot of the stuff on there. I mean, geez, I, it, I think the arrangement on All Shook Up, the great Otis Blackwell Elvis Presley tune, is very unique and cool. I love uh, Searchin' by the Coasters, because that was a song that I really loved as a kid. And I knew, you know, I got to know uh, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, the songwriters, the legendary rock and roll songwriters who wrote that song. And, you know, so there's a lot of connections, personal connections to so much of the music that's on there. You mentioned a couple of songwriters there, Lieber and Stoller. You're an inductee of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. There's a couple of songs by other songwriters. Curtis Mayfield, that you have It's All Right on there. Please send me someone to love. So I have to ask you, who do you think out there are some of the best songwriters that ever were? Oh, well, you, you just mentioned a few of them right there. <laughs> That's um, true. But I can mention a lot more in different genres. Uh, people like Joni Mitchell, people like Bob Dylan. I mean, you, how about Cole Porter? How about Gershwin? You know, I go back. I look at music on a universal level. I don't... I don't really categorize and genreize. You know, I look at, you know, I go back to the Civil War and, and look at things like that. A lot of traditional music. Some of the great Delta blues that was written by people like Mississippi John Hurt and, and Sun House and, and all those people. I mean, there's so many incredible things that were developed. And I just feel like, a, you know, I just want to be a small part of the great, that tapestry of American music, traditional American music in my own way. What was the inspiration behind the song Deep River that's on this album? Well, it was a unique situation. I had actually set out to do a, a Doc Watson tune called Deep River Blues, which is, if you know anything about Doc Watson, it's one of his classics that everyone knows from him. But we really, it wasn't coming together very well. It just sounded like a really mediocre version of a great Doc Watson song. And the band, to their credit, in the studio really just stepped up and they said, no, let's not give up on this idea. It's kind of cool. And we messed with it. We started to extend it and, and stretch it and, and change the groove and do some things. And it was kind of a, what had happened was the Nashville flood had just occurred right before we recorded this at uh, the album. And I was thinking, you know, a lot of people were thinking about what the devastation and, and, you know, what went on in the Nashville flood. And I thought, well, the song, the way that the tune was going was inspired by Deep River Blues. And I thought, well, Deep River, that's really what the flood was all about. So I basically took that idea and, and, and had it evolved in my mind into a totally new song that was based on the Nashville flood. What about He Was a Friend of Mine? That song goes back, dates back to the Civil War in, in diff different uh, form, if you want to be a little bit of a musicologist. I first heard it in the 60s by Dave Van Ronk, who was, was a very sad, dirgy kind of song. But I always loved it. And uh, I just said, uh, I was looking for unique uh, arrangements and ways to insert my personality into some of these great classic songs. And I turned it into a little ragtime. I don't know why that happened. But it, just, it just did, but I liked it, so we did it. 
One of the songs on this album, I, I hadn't heard this song before, but I thought it was really interesting. And it was a song called Dance Hall Girls. Mm-hmm. How did you get exposed to that? Uh, I heard that song in 1968. That song was done originally by a duo called Frazier and DeBolt. The songwriter is Alan Frazier. He lives in Montreal, Canada, and he and I have become friends uh, since. I always loved that song. I heard it in Philadelphia at, in, on one of the folk radio stations that was, and they were playing it at the time. And it just always stuck in my mind as a beautiful melody and a really just a great, great, cool, cool song. And I always filed it away in my mental storage, storage uh, folder to come back to at some point, and this, this album was the time to do it. And just wanted to do that song. I just love the song. I have a great appreciation for great songwriting, and that certainly uh, fits the bill. You close out the album with Man Eater. What made you decide to close with a Hall & Oates song? Well, when I play live, people, especially, you know, in America, the perception has changed a lot over the past few years because people now come to see me to, to see what I do. They don't confuse me with Daryl and being part of Hall & Oates. What I've done over the years is people always expect to hear a few Hall & Oates hits, and, and rightfully so. But I don't want to just try to do nothing worse than doing Hall & Oates without Daryl. I think that's kind of stupid. I just took those songs and tried to make them my own a little bit more. I only play the Hall & Oates songs that I feel real personal attachment to, and I do a lot of early 70s stuff sometimes in my live show, but Maneater just had a cool vibe, and I just wanted to take it out of that 80s, 80s. You know, I wanted to pull it out. I wanted to pull the actual song itself out of the 80s production and strip it away and bring it back to a more essential version and came up with this kind of rockability, hard-edged kind of thing, and I I love that arrangement. What is the best thing about being John Oates? Well, one of the best things is the fact that I have this incredible legacy of and history with Daryl Hall that has provided me a foundation of freedom to branch out and do a lot of other things musically and personally. It's something that I really have a lot of respect and gratitude that, that I have that opportunity. I think a lot of creative people would love to be in my position where I can go and just do pretty much whatever I want and at the same time have this amazing foundation of, of Hall & Oates' history to kind of support support me. So I think that's the best thing about, other than the fact that I have a great family and enjoy a, a really good life in Colorado and Nashville and, and, around, and traveling around the world, I think that, that should sum it up. My last question, one of the things about the changing entertainment business is we have the Internet now. When somebody says something, it can go out anywhere. So for anybody who hears this interview, wherever they are, what would you like to say in closing? Well, I'd like to say that you know, music has certainly changed, as you as you mentioned. But when you really strip it, strip all the technology and all the various changes and, and modern itinerations of what's gone on in the music business, the essence of the music business is still a song. Nothing happens without a song. It's the be all and end all of what we do. And regardless of the YouTube and the internet and downloads and digital and whatever, it makes no difference. The song is still the most important thing and the heart and soul of everything we do. That's why I, I'm so appreciative and so it's so important to me to foster that and to continue writing and to collaborate and do things like that and support other songwriters. So to me, that's the impo- most important thing. Mr. Rose, thanks so much for this interview. Looking forward to more albums like this. Okay, man. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it and come out and see a show and think you'll enjoy the band. All right. Thanks so much. Okay. All the best, man. Ba-ma-ba-da-bee-ba-boo-da-da-boo-ba-da-bee-ba-da-bee-ba-da-bee-ba-da-bee-ba-da-bee-ba-da-bee-ba-da-bee-ba-da-bee-ba-da-b
Goodbye.